Hey, Leafs family, hockey world, what's going on? This is the Leafs Convo Podcast. My name is Norman James. It seems like it's been forever since we last convened for a podcast, and it kind of has. So I'm glad that you're aboard for this edition of TLC. Mike Angelo's standing by. He and I are going to tackle some leftover questions from his most recent Mike's Mailbag. There's some stuff to get to. Plus, we'll compare the Maple Leafs now to the Boston Bruins. Are the Leafs ready to unseat the Bruins and move forward in the Atlantic Division? I think so. Mike Agello, uh, not so sure. And then what about comparisons between the Blackhawks of the early 2010s and the Maple Leafs now? Are we jumping ahead of ourselves to think these Leafs are drawing parallels with those Blackhawks that won three Stanley Cups? Let's get into it. Mike's ready to go. I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? Whatever. Let's pod. The Leafs convo starts right now. And here he is, that closet Boston Red Sox fan we all know and love, the one and only Mike Godjello. Hello, sir. I know that was sacrilege, and I should be slapped for it, but I had to do it. Yeah, please. Good morning, Norman. And they, they you know, honestly, I have no basis to uh, say anything because the the Red Sox wiped the floor with the Yankees four straight. But I, I'm sorry, uh, Red Sox fans could be the most obnoxious. I have friends who are Red Sox fans and they're not not so, but there are m- many others. And on social media and everything else, seeing, oh, you know, you know all the all the anti-Yankee stuff. It's like, you know, I, I right now, the way it's set up, the Yankees will play the Red Sox in the uh, first round of the playoffs if they if the Yankees play the wild card and win the wild card game. It's a f- best of five against the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. I pray that the Yankees beat them because then it'll shut these idiots up. Look, at the Yankees are all about class. The Red Sox are mass holes, right? That's pretty much it. I, I mean, mean they're, they're, a very, they're a very good team. I, I can't take anything away. No, no question. Yeah, but but you know, it's just I think that this is sort of the the making up for eighty six years of futility that now all of a sudden, since the Red Sox are where they should should have been for a long time, this is the comeuppance. Well, I'm sorry, it's you know, be, act with a little class, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Yeah, it's a very provincial town, very uh, regional, um, insular, um, immature. I mean, the the sports teams are second to none. They love their sports, and that's the thing. Just because you think people are garbage or you hate them or you don't um, particularly like the way the teams or fan base carries themselves doesn't mean you can't acknowledge that <laughs> all in all it's a, it's a terrific sports city and they certainly support their own but it's just the way the fans and the media there carry themselves and you know they'll be who they want to be and so will we Mike this is the Leafs convo a little bit of baseball talk to start we probably lost 10 subscribers and we're going to hear about it in the comments section but come on guys it's August we do want to talk about hockey at some point, and I suppose we could start with a little question from a good friend of ours, uh, Dylan Morrow, who was unfortunately snubbed during our, our Mike's mailbag um, in the last podcast round that um, was fun for us, but not so fun for some of our supporters in defending us on, on Twitter and social media against those who have nothing better to, the, to do than disparage a, a podcast that is just simply talking about Maple Leafs hockey. I don't know. It's interesting how, um, especially Leafs fans, they just eat themselves and, and hate on themselves for no reason other than, um, you know, disagreeing over something and not being able to come to a you know a common understanding that people don't always see eye to eye. And if mm-hmm. I think that William Nylander should be traded, I'm terrible. If I think Mitch Marner has more talent than um, uh, Austin Matthews in a, in a uh, 
in a skills competition, I, I'm, I'm retarded. I'm stupid. Um, I, I should be blocked and I, I'm, I'm nothing. I mean, we can't just have a discussion about it, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I see, I, I come from a generation that, you know, I mean, I have friends who are opposite of what I am politically. I have friends who are Red Sox fans and, I, and I'm a Yankees fan. I have most of my friends are in, in the uh, Buffalo area are Sabres fans. And I, before becoming a reporter, was a rabid Leaf fan. So it's like, I, I, I like debate. I like discussing issues. And, I, and now as, as somebody who's a member of the media, I'm not going to sort of slag somebody if it, whether it be a fan or a reporter, because he his you know his opinion is based on analytics, I, I would like to I like to debate that. I like to to learn from them, but I also am strong in my beliefs that I'm not going to come off of my position. And if we're talking about you know the Leafs' defense or certain players who have been sort of analytics darlings and that I think are not up to what other people say, or you know we disagree on particular players. We agree to disagree, but I, I want the debate and I want to express my opinion and hear their opinion as well. Again, we're living in a different day and age, Mike, obviously, and I feel like I'm dating myself now because I'm pointing the finger at a younger generation that I think should be better. And not so long ago, I was part of that younger generation that was being singled out. It's cyclical, Mike. And this was the question that was left out during last of Mike's mailbag. So we're getting to it. Dylan, I told you we would. Mike, if no more additions are made to the defensive core this offseason, mm-hmm. how do you see our D lining up game one? So in the opener against Montreal, bonus question, do you agree that Nikita Zaitsev is set up for a big-time bounce-back season? Uh, answer the second question first, yes. Uh, I think Zaitsev is closer to the player that we saw as a rookie than – what happened in his sophomore year, there was injury problems. He had the flu. There was some off the ice concerns. Um, you know, there's a lot of distraction, but if you saw like how he played, I think he played for Russia in the world championships and he was their best defenseman. So, you know, I, I'm expecting him to return to what he was. And if he is a top four defenseman, the contract that a lot of people criticized, uh, which was a seven year deal at, I think 4.25 million is going to be, a pretty good deal because 4.25 million is on is basically average for um you know a, a four three four defenseman in terms of salary and i think he's he's up to that so that's not a bad amount now as to what their defense is going to be uh in the on the opening night um obviously they'll start six defensemen um i don't see i don't see a deal happening before uh, before training camp or through training camp. So I'm going to go chalk basically and say Riley and Hainsey top pairing, Gardner Zaitsev second pairing, third pairing is Dermot. And I would say right now the favorite for the right side D on the third pair would be Carrick, but I will leave it open to the possibility of Kali Rosen or Igor Ozaganov, depending on how he does in training camp. I mean, that's where it is right now. And I wrote a couple days ago on Hockey Buzz that, you know, I think there's the opportunity here for training camp invites, and especially on defense, and maybe a guy like a Tobias Enstrom or a, um, a guy like uh, Kevin Bieksa or even analytics darling Cody Franzen, who played in the AHL and the NHL last year, have a chance that they get – invited to hook onto the team and maybe be that number six. But I think right now the leading candidate for that six defenseman is probably counter Carrick. There you go, Dylan. Uh, here's another one from Bruno Lacaria that we missed 
couple of days ago, and it's a good one. Um, is a happy compromise, Mike, giving Tavares the captaincy and Matthews $12 million per year? That's an interesting one. Can the Leafs win the division, and he thinks it's vital, with this defensive core? And are you okay waiting until deadline day to snag a 1-2 top 4 D rental? I Okay, first one first. I don't think the captaincy right now really matters. No. Uh, I, I really don't. I mean, Tavares is a natural leader, and I think he, you know, he, him just being there will will help the leadership of the team. There's a leadership group: Morgan Riley, Patrick Marlowe, uh, Ron Hainsey. You know, maybe eventually Austin Matthews is the captain, but there's no reason to rush it. So I, I think right now they're going to stick with basically three assistant captains, maybe rotate them, and that's that is what it is. I I really don't think that they're going to make a big deal of it. I, you know, a year or two down the line, then maybe maybe Matthews becomes the captain, or maybe Tavares does. But I, I don't think it's a big deal. Now, what were the what were the second and third parts of the question? <laughs> Can the Leafs win the division with this defensive core? No. They cannot. I, I don't see them uh, as much as their offense is going to be great, and I think it will. Uh, as much as Freddie Anderson is, you know, arguably the best or second best goaltender in the division, I think he's close to Vasilevsky. I think he's better than Tuka Rask. Uh, I don't see with their defense them being able to beat out. Now, this is assuming that there are no major injury, injuries in Boston or Tampa doesn't lose Stamkos or Hedman for 30 games, but all things being equal, I think the Leafs are either second or third in the division. Yeah. Is that just a respect for Boston and knowing Tampa is Tampa Bay? Don't you think the Leafs will emerge even greater than they were last year as an offensive force? And that's just going to be too overwhelming. And I don't know, maybe, maybe there is a bit of a, a bit of a growth from some of the younger defensemen. I mean, it's an interesting situation for Mike Babcock to yeah. to confront and handle and help guide because on, it's almost as if he's got a team that is so lopsided right. in one area that it can get a little laughable. Yet when, when push comes to shove, um, he'd like to take some of that prowess up front and place it uh, in the back end. Then you have Freddie Anderson too, so we don't know where – where his game is going to be, will it have elevated beyond where it was last year? And we were pretty satisfied with uh, what he was able to produce or will it regress? We're simply making that judgment on how things will line up based on how things lined up last season. Are well, we not? I, I mean, Tavares, Tavares being added is a dramatic improvement up the middle. I mean, and it gives Babcock a lot of options, but you can't discount the fact that they lose Van Riemsdyk and that's 36 goals and they lose Bozak. Okay. And, you know, and Tavares is replacing him. So the, there's an upgrade up the middle, but you, you did lose 36 goals and there's a lot of assumption that, you know, Andreas Janssen and Kasperi Kapanen are going to step in and they're not going to miss those guys uh, the, that left. And I think they, they could, I mean, it's going to be a, a serious question about how the number one power play is going to work with, you know, 40% of it playing in St. Louis and Philadelphia. So, I mean, Tavares could replace Bozak and, you know, maybe somebody from the second uh, power play moves up like Austin Matthews. But, you know, until you see that, you don't know. And I think the defense is the same. Uh, the goaltending, I think if Anderson plays a few less games, like say 60 instead of 66, I think that'll be beneficial for him. But and I think the forwards are better, but we have to see it first. So I, I mean, I think they're a better team with Tavares than they were last year. But 
Tampa is really good mm-hmm. and they're going to have McDonough for a full year mm-hmm. and they're, and Boston, you know, Boston is not the Boston of a few years ago. They are bringing in youngsters, Jake DeBrus, Charlie McAvoy. They're, they've got the veteran guys, the core of the team that won the cup in 2011, but then they also have young guys. So it's going to be challenging. It's not a, it's not a slag against the Leafs to say that they're going to finish second or, second or third in the Atlantic because the Atlantic, at least the top of it, is really, really good. I'd be unbelievably disappointed if the Leafs can't unseat Boston, wherever Boston finishes. The Leafs should be a year better, and Boston's best players are a year older. These guys were good against the Leafs, but they barely got past them. If you're talking matching up top two centers against top two centers, and maybe top three centers, um, you know, the Leafs are dramatically better. You're talking, you know, Tavares, Matthews, or Matthews, Tavares, and Kadri against Mm -hmm. uh, Bergeron, Krejci. I don't even know who their third center is right now. Yeah, exactly. Last year was Riley Nash, but the Leafs... I don't know if they have a line that matches Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand. Marchand is not old. Marchand no, is in his 20s. And Pasternak was in the same draft as William Nylander and has scored a lot more. So he's better than Nylander. And I would say Marchand is about, you know, maybe Marner is equal to him, but Marchand, you know, he's got that un, that, 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 sure. that, 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 uh, that thing that you have, you know, that, that rough house, that, yeah. uh, that, uncharacteristic uh, thing that gets under the skin of other teams. I mean, this is a really good team, the Bruins, and you can't, you can't, and their, Mm. their defense is better than Toronto. And so is Tampa and their forwards are really good. So it's not going to be easy. I, 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 you know, I'm optimistic about the Leafs being a really good team, but again, this is the struggle. They have to get past Boston and Tampa to get just to the Eastern Conference Final. That's a tough road mm-hmm. to hoe. I just don't think it's definitive, Mike. Bo- Toronto won the season series last year, and then Boston won in the playoffs. So even if the Leafs beat them six times or however many times they play during right. the regular season, it really won't matter until the two show down in the playoffs once again and the Leafs can sure get that monkey off their back. Uh, and and wouldn't, wouldn't it be a shame if the Leafs go out and get 110 points and dominate Boston in the regular season then face them in round one or two of the playoffs and lose again? And right. we're, we're sitting here a year from now complaining about the same things we were in April. Um, that, that, would, that, that would suck. That, that's, like, that's like a team having the second best record in baseball and having 105 victories and having to play a wild card game. And if they lose that, then the season is down the drain. So that's, you know, that's the reality of the current playoff structure in the NHL where you know, they, they are likely going to face Boston or Tampa in the first round and it'll only be a question of home, home ice advantage. And it could be a six or seven game series. And it, you know, one little mistake could make the difference between them advancing past the first round and being out in the for the in the first round for the fir- for the third time in a row. Well, here's what's going to happen. I mean, you, you have fans that are completely content with the way the Leafs are are put together right now, um, even without having that defensive player that uh, that um, the Leafs don't have. It's it's fine because the Jake Gardners of the world are analytic darlings. When these guys shit the bed in the playoffs and can't get it done based on their deficiencies. You're going to have a lot of these people blame the head coach for it. It won't be Kyle Dubas's fault, but it'll be Mike Babcock's fault because he rubs somebody the wrong way. And, you know, he's in his 50s. He's, he's an adult. He's an authority figure. They're going to be OK. But if they're not, it's not going to be the fault of Jake Gardner if he has another break, brain cramp. It's not going to be the fault of the, 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 
the, the players who might not fill those roles effectively. Um, it's going to be the fault of the head coach who um, had to play the cards he was dealt. And well, there, you better there, be prepared for it. There might be some of that, Norm. But the thing is, I, I think that right now, I mean, I think it'll the, the blame would be equally spread. And we're assuming the negative here that, you know, they, they won't be able to advance. Mm-hmm. Based on, and what, I, what I'm looking at, and I've, I've seen some, you know, speculation over the last couple of weeks regarding, you know, defensemen who I, I defensemen like Colton Pareko, who I've been told uh, is not real, is not available, but there's been speculation that he is available. And, you know, obviously with the trade of Jeff Skinner to Buffalo, you know, that the, the Justin Falk situation pops up again in Carolina. And I see these, you know, theorizations of what the Leafs would give up for a couple of these defensemen who would be mm-hmm. top four guys. And I, 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 I shake my head because, you know, the Leafs are not going to get a player, uh, a top four defenseman, without giving up something that hurts, without giving up a player that is somebody who is in their plans to be a top 12 forward or a top six defenseman. It just doesn't work that way. So, like, for example, they're not going to get a, a Justin Falk who is likely to be traded by Carolina within, I'd say, this this season, maybe at the deadline. They're not going to get him without trading a Kasperi Kapanen or an Andreas Janssen or somebody who is in the Leafs' plans. It just is not going to happen because defensemen are such a valuable commodity. You can't get him for you know Frederick Gauthier in a third-round pick. No. It doesn't work that way. The new generation of fans, they, they lock on to players. They lock on to players. Those players become their heroes. It's hard for a, a fan I mean, who views the team – in a uh, greater sense than just athletics to reconcile having to get rid of one of their heroes in order to benefit the team. Well, I, I know that uh, on a webcast I did last week that, uh, you know, somebody um, had expressed uh, that Dubas coming out and it was on 31, the 31 thoughts podcast in you know last month, uh, right after the Tavares signing, that you know when he expressed that you know, we'll get them all signed, meaning Nealander, Marner, Matthews, that he made a mistake. I don't think he made a mistake, and I don't, I think it's possible to get them all signed. It doesn't mean they're you know I mean I was in the in the scrum last week at, at Smash Fest when when Nealander said I want a long term deal. Well, of course he wants a long term deal. He wants the money that comes with the long term deal, and that's that's understandable and natural. But um, m- more than likely one of these three, and I think Nealander sort of leads. You know, we're coming around the clubhouse turn. Uh, you know, uh, you know, down the down the final stretch. Um, one of them is going to get a bridge deal because I think that Neilander thinks if he signs a six or seven year deal, he's going to get seven million dollars. He's not, and if he signs a two year bridge deal, he's probably going to be in the four million dollar range. Uh, and then they reevaluate after the two years, and if he is somebody who's in line for a big raise, then the possibility of trading him because they can't afford him is, is there. But I think that he's the likely one to get the bridge. And if they do get him on a long-term deal, it's going to be a deal that's favorable to the Leafs. So that's why Dubas is continuing to preach patience mm-hmm. when it comes to Nylander because they want to get them, get him at their number. And if they don't get him at their, their number, then it's going to be, okay, well, let's, let's address this in a couple years. And uh, when, when the bridge is done. Did you just use a golf metaphor, Mike? Because we're going to hear about it in the comments section. 
Yeah, we're no, gonna I was. Get, tr- I was we're gonna get to, lambasted for golf metaphors on a hockey podcast. I was trying. I was trying to make a trying to make a horse racing. It was around the around the uh, oh. around the the, the final you know the going down the final stretch. I said the clubhouse. So excuse me, I, I mixed my metaphors. Oh, there you go. We're gonna lose ten subscribers. This is the Leafs conversation. I'm Norman James along with Mike Agello. I love the Leafs players. I love them all, but I love the Maple Leafs more. And if you think I'm stupid for that, then you're stupid. Last thing, Mike, the, the I've seen some stuff about the Blackhawks, Leafs comparisons. Um, I, I, I will use the Blackhawks as an example of how a team's fortunes can go from terrible to terrific um, in a very short period of time um, and how you can use what the Blackhawks were able to accomplish as a, a measuring stick of what the Maple Leafs are accomplishing right now and if, if you do look back at how it all sort of the cart sort of came together for the Blackhawks with Taves and then Kane being drafted and Duncan Keith and those guys it didn't take too long for that organization to win a Stanley Cup so the Leafs should be on the, should should be should be knocking at the door of a Stanley Cup here soon uh, and you can look uh, ro- roster wise we can have the debate over which which organization um, at, at this point of their development has the better forward unit but there is no debate over the defensive situation. Clearly, the Blackhawks have that one in spades, and that goes back to that prevailing question um, over everything we do right now. The Leafs' defense, how is it going to get better, and you know, just why it needs to be better if it's going to reach the promised land. Yeah, so, someone sent a tweet to both of us and said that you know, the Leafs currently are better than any one of the three Hawks teams that won the Cup in the last decade. And, you know... Let's get you know real here. I mean, I I I love the Leafs forwards, and I think they're going to be very good. Um, but if you look at say the 2010 Hawks team that had guys like Dustin Bufflin and and Christopher Stieg playing on the third line, and um, you look at their defense core that had uh, Keith Seabrook and Yarmolson in their primes. I mean, the Leafs have nothing to match. Now, goaltending was Antti Niemi the, the first year and then Crawford the, the next two cups. Um, I, I think Anderson can be as good as Crawford. I, you know, Crawford is somebody who's good in the regular season and then stepped up in the playoffs, and we've yet to see Anderson step up in the playoffs. But I think he's capable of being that type of goaltender. So I'll, I'll accept there being an even Steven there. And I think the forwards – um, you know, I mean, we're talking Kane and Taves and guys of that nature. So it's tough to match up to that, but I think there's a, the capability there, but defensively this, you know, the Leafs defense is not even in the same stratosphere as the, as the Hawks defense. So until they get, I think they would need to add two top four legitimate top four defensemen to be anywhere close to the, the Hawks. So that argument falls very, very short. Look, if the Leafs uh, had the opportunity and there were players available to put this team over the edge right now, you would trade guys like William Nylander and Jake Gardner to bring back what you need and you go ahead and win yourself a Stanley Cup. But um, it, while in theory, it's easy to trade these guys, right? Just find a, a trading partner and go for it. Uh, practically and in reality, it's very difficult because of uh, just how touchy some of your trading partners can be. Uh, the demands that they're going to be asking for. And really the most important thing is what's the inventory like? And uh, we've gone over the uh, types of players, the Leafs need that are available uh, ad nauseum almost. And it's slim pickings right now, Mike. So uh, the, the exalted Kyle Dubas has a real dilemma on his hands. I mean, I'd I'd hate to look back 
on, on on the next six, five, six years and say, geez, the Leafs had a run of, uh, f- you know, several seasons in a row with triple digit points. Austin Matthews wins a, a heart. Uh, John Tavares wins a, a rocket Richard trophy. Um, it's, it's been, a, it's been a fantastic run, but the te- team keeps bowing out in the second or third round because it just was never able to batten down the hatches on the back end. And, um, you know what, Mike, I mean, we could be talking about, uh, where this team is going to finish in the draft lottery and how it's going to slip into a warm bath. Instead, we're, we're talking about what this team needs to put it, it over the edge. That's a huge improvement over where we've come from. we got to wrap. Thanks, Norman. Hey, that's a wrap for this edition of the Leafs Convo Podcast. If you want to reach us on social media, at I am Sportsheart, at Mike and Buffalo, at the Leafs Convo. If you have questions for our next Mike's Mailbag segment, hashtag AskMike, fire away. For Mr. Ogello, I'm Norman James. Thanks so much for your support. This is the Leafs Convo. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.